and welcome back to the podcast, Secrets of New York. I'm Michelle Young, and I'm the founder of Untapped New York, an online magazine and tour company about New York City's secrets and hidden gems. I'm also a professor of architecture at Columbia University's Graduate School of Architecture, Planning, and Preservation. Untapped New York's podcast, Secrets of New York, features bite-sized episodes you can consume quickly to get your fix of New York City's secrets. So far, we've looked into how water towers work and how pneumatic mail used to work. This episode is all about manhole covers. In fact, this topic is brought to you by Popular Demand, voted on by listeners in our podcast launch party. I've got some fun guests for you today in this exploration on Manhole Covers 101 and why New Yorkers find them to be such curious objects. Justin Rivers, Untapped New York's Chief Experience Officer, will be talking about his personal experience going down into a manhole. Lisa Frigand, the former Manager of Cultural Affairs at the New York City Department of Environmental Protection, will also be joining us, along with Natasha Raheja, an anthropologist at Cornell University who made a film about manhole covers and how they're made. By the end of this episode, you'll also have the answer to that famous interview question, why are manhole covers round? For me, putting together this episode triggered a memory of a 20-page paper I wrote in grad school all about manhole covers. The paper had an extremely dramatic title, The Manholes of Westminster Abbey, The Portal Between Heaven and Hell. The best part of that research was contacting the Thomas Crapper Company. Yes, that's its real name. It still exists, and the company supplied many manhole covers in London. They actually requested my paper when it was done. Being the nerd that I am, I treasured the response I received. Thanks, Michelle. Well done. Very British. Back to New York City, if you look down on the city's streets, you'll see quite a cacophony of things, from manhole covers to spray-painted symbols to crosswalks, bike lanes, and more. To kick things off, I went out onto a Greenwich Village street with Justin Rivers. We were checking out some manholes, of course. All right, so Justin, where are we right now? So we're at 6th Avenue and Mineta Street in Greenwich Village. This is where we start our coffee tour of Greenwich Village, but uh, actually in the beginning of the coffee tour, I bring people to a manhole cover in the middle of Mineta Street. Um, and people will go, why are you doing this? Because what I like to do is, like we're gonna do right now, I'm gonna shine a flashlight into the open holes of this uh, DPW manhole cover, and you can see through the other exposed holes, the Mineta Stream running under our feet. Ooh. So Mineta Street actually follows the path of the old Mineta Stream, which used to be filled with trout, by the way, um, and is still sort of now rerouted into the sewer system of New York. It's not just a stream running under our feet, like, bucolically. Uh, it's part of the sewer, but it does run uh, every day right under our feet here. DPW stands for Department of Public Works, and it's essentially a predecessor of the New York City Department of Environmental Protection, which manages the water and sewer systems. The area around Mineta Lane is a treasure trove for manhole cover hunters like us. In just about two blocks, you'll find dozens of manhole covers for gas, water, sewer, and the subway. I think one of the best spots in the city to go searching for manhole covers is here in Greenwich Village because there's a real plethora of history represented here. You've got layers of developmental history. It's an old part of the city. So the older the parts of the city, the more you're going to see different manhole covers from different time periods. And what's cool is that we're seeing the evolution of like a single type of manhole cover in yeah. some cases. Yeah, correct. The same manhole cover, uh, similar department, and the just different designations and different designs over the years. Yeah, so from DPW to sewer to yep. NYC sewer to NYC sewer made in India. WSNY. To just sewer, which I was just telling you before, I don't think I've ever seen a just sewer manhole cover before. 
uh, and we saw it here on Mineta Street. So Cool. Well, this was fun. Yeah, cool. I loved it. Each manhole cover is a portal to an underground world below. In popular culture, what lies beneath has been explored repeatedly, perhaps most notably by the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, who would pop a manhole cover to go down to their underground lair that they shared with Splinter, the mutant rat who raised them. The New York City sewer manhole cover also doubled as a weapon. As the only girl amongst all-male cousins for much of my childhood, I played entirely way too much of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle video games. I was particularly bad at the game, and I'd always fall into the open manholes. My character Michelangelo would yell, Hey, who turned the lights out? In real life, there are somewhat regular manhole cover incidents, whether one explodes, someone falls in, or one gets stolen. Popular fascination with underground systems continues to be manifested in the websites of urban explorers, writers, and photographers. This enthrallment can be attributed in part to the rich mythological origins of a fabled underground. In Greek and Roman mythology, Hades is an underground world of arrivals, transition, and temporality. Even if we don't think of the world under New York City streets as a place for lost souls, manholes still remain as a portal between the city as us mortals experience it and the underbelly that supports our existence. The earliest manhole covers you can find in cities are usually coal hole covers. Made of cast iron, they are generally square or rectangular in shape, sometimes hexagonal. They led to former coal chutes in residences and commercial buildings. Although coal is no longer used to heat homes, you can still find coal hole covers in some of New York City's oldest districts, like Brooklyn Heights. But the round manhole covers that most people think of are usually connected to essential services like water, sewers, and power. The advent of modern urban existence in the 1800s necessitated the removal of these services underground. It was part functional, but also a utopian ideal, intended to preserve the beauty of cities. The word sewer is defined in Old English as seaward, which described the open drainage ditches that sloped downwards to the Thames River. The Oxford English Dictionary traces the origin of the word sewer to the old French word suyer, meaning a channel to drain overflow. I conveniently have a French husband, so I've asked him to pronounce it correctly for all of you. So yeah. At any rate, by the 19th century, the waste from these conduits in all the major cities eventually overwhelmed the ability of natural bodies of water, like rivers and ponds, to self-cleanse. London experienced what is known as the Great Stink of 1858. The particular potency of the pollution that summer shut down government and prompted lawmakers to finally enforce and enact public health legislation. New York City was going through something similar. Here's Justin Rivers again, pulling from his extensive knowledge of New York City's early history. He's created many of untapped New York's tours of Manhattan, like the remnants of Dutch New Amsterdam and the secrets of the financial district. So Justin, how did New Yorkers get their water originally? Well, early settlers to Manhattan specifically needed to rely on inland smaller bodies of water, open bodies of water, because uh, surrounding rivers were brackish, uh, which meant they were partially fresh, partially salt water, couldn't drink those. So uh, one of the famous historical drinking water sources in lower Manhattan was the Collect Pond, which is roughly where uh, all of the courts are today, Foley Square area. Um, it was about a 50 acre-ish lake, and that's where all of colonial Manhattan was going to get their water for many, many years from Dutch New Amsterdam to uh, English New York, 
people were going and also building businesses, uh, industry around there. You had tanneries, uh, you had breweries, and it quickly got polluted, not to mention the fact that they were burying bodies around it, too. So, uh, oh, yikes. I didn't yeah, know about the not, bodies. Not a, Yeah, yeah. Not exactly the best way to keep your uh, water source clean. And were some of those bodies actually connected to, I guess, the gangs and the, you know, the gangs at Five Points? Yeah. So, uh, you know, Five Points stretched its way around the Collect Pond. And of course, that's, you know, sort of the fourth ward, which was one of the worst neighborhoods in New York. And of course, when you start building population, and it was mainly immigrant population, Irish, uh, of course, they needed drinking water. And there was a fight for resources. And as there was that fight for resources, the water gets more polluted. And then of course, you get epidemic, you get sickness, you get illness, and mainly that came in the form of uh, cholera. So the Martin Scorsese film, which I mention all the time on so many tours of Lower Manhattan, because it's such a great reference point, uh, talks about the gangs of New York and how they were fighting for those resources down in the Five Points. Things got so disgusting with sewage and industrial runoff, they actually had to fill Collect Pond in. A canal was created to drain the pond, but it too became an open sewer and had to be filled in. That's how Canal Street got its name. As Justin mentioned, one of the public health crises that emerged from contaminated water was cholera. The first wave of cholera in 1832 killed 3,500 New Yorkers. That might not sound like a lot, but adjusted for population, that would be equivalent to 100,000 New Yorkers losing their lives last year. That's nearly four times the current death toll of COVID-19 in New York City. New York would be hit with four more waves of cholera through 1866. Some were even deadlier than the first wave making it one of the most disastrous epidemics in New York City's history. So, for urgent public health reasons all around the world, sewage systems had to be developed, and systems built to bring in clean water. This is how we get some of the oldest manhole covers left in New York City. In 1842, the first Croton Aqueduct was completed, bringing fresh water down to the city from Westchester County by means of gravity. It was one of the largest engineering feats of the 19th century. The system opened to great fanfare with a celebration that included a parade down Broadway, the ringing of church bells, and the shooting of cannons. Gravity-powered fountains in City Hall and other places in Manhattan shot water 50 feet up into the air. And of course, manhole covers were needed to access this new, exciting system underground. Tracking historical ephemera, like the oldest manhole covers, is one of my pastimes. For years, a Croton Aqueduct manhole cover on Jersey Street, next to the Puck Building in Soho, was often cited as the oldest manhole in New York City. The cover had the words Croton Aqueduct DPT 1866 on it. Sadly, roadwork in 2017 wiped away its existence, so you won't find it there anymore. The quest then remained to find the next manhole cover that could be crowned the oldest. Turns out, another Croton Aqueduct manhole cover, even older than the Jersey Street one, had been here all along. Dating to 1862, as evidenced by the cast iron numbers, this manhole cover is even better preserved because it sits on a sidewalk and not in the street. It is, however, located in a far less charming spot, across from the much-despised Port Authority bus terminal that's right next to Times Square on 40th Street and 8th Avenue. The manhole cover sits in front of the Hummus and Pita Company, a chain restaurant, and you can believe I got some weird looks photographing this manhole too. Another Croton Aqueduct manhole cover, dating to 1866, is located inside Thomas Jefferson Park in East Harlem. It's likely the second oldest manhole cover in New York City. But the most common manhole covers around today, probably the ones you imagine when someone says manhole cover, are the ones that say NYC sewer, or are connected to Con Edison, Con Ed for short, which runs steam and electricity lines under the city streets. 
To learn more about manhole covers, I spoke with Lisa Fergant, who worked for Con Ed for 34 years, starting in 1978. Hi, Lisa. Hi, how are you? Hi, good. How are you? Good. Lisa retired as the manager of cultural affairs at Con Ed in 2012, but is still involved in the arts, making her own ceramics and embroidery. We'll discuss more about specific manhole cover-related projects she's worked on later in this episode, but I first asked her about some fun facts about manhole covers in general. So I just read in a book that Con Ed has the most manhole covers in New York City. Is that correct? I believe they do. It's over a quarter of a million. Um, so I do think so. I mean, it was that. And I think it remained in the same ballpark. You know, it's like, uh, yeah, there's a lot of them. Yes. <laughs> and they're big and they're, and they're heavy. <laughs> right. So how heavy are they? <laughs> They are between 250 and 300 pounds. And that's why they have the, the little holes where they have to be uh, assisted to be picked up. They need the actual instruments they can. Oh, and okay. And that heavy so that they methane gas, hopefully, although that does sometimes happen, can't blow them open. But a lot right. of them have been now because of anti-terrorism have been sealed. So there's all different, mm -hmm. but there's still that same weight. Almost 300 pounds, yeah. Underground, from the Battery in Lower Manhattan to 96th Street, Con Ed runs the largest district steam system in the world, which provides heating, cooling, and hot water for customers large and small. Deep below the manholes are valves for the steam system. The orange and white striped cones that you see in the street, such an iconic part of New York City's streetscape, provide an exit vent for steam that is created when water comes into contact with the steam pipe. If you've ever wondered what's below that orange pipe, well, it's a manhole cover. The steam actually comes out from around the cover and is shot out. We'll have an episode just dedicated to the steam system soon. Underground, Con Ed is also managing voltage cables that provide electric service to customers and to city streetlights, conduits, and ducts. I was able to speak to someone in Con Ed's engineering and analysis team who confirmed for me Lisa's estimate for the number of manhole covers. He tells me the company manages approximately 265,000 structures, which include manholes, service boxes, and transformer vaults. But then the NYC Department of Environmental Protection also gave me their numbers, and they have about 350,000 manhole covers across the five boroughs. So for now, I'm crowning the DEP with having the most number of manhole covers in the city. A good number of manhole covers have the word made in India on them, in large, all capital letters. Have you ever wondered why that is? To get down to the bottom of this, I spoke with Natasha Raheja. She's an anthropologist and professor at Cornell University and the director of the documentary Cast in India, which is an exploration into how manhole covers in New York City are made. Her quest to understand this connection to India took her to Howrah, a city in West Bengal, where some of the New York City sewer manholes are being manufactured. From the first seconds of the film, the viewer realizes that this mundane object they walk over every day has an origin story that we just don't think about. What you're hearing right now is a clip from Cast in India. The workers in the factory are hammering open the molds. Inside is a completed New York City sewer manhole cover. The workers use a bellow to blow the dust off of a finished manhole cover. The workers are barefoot or in flip-flops, wearing t-shirts and shorts. One worker sings a popular Bollywood song in Hindi with the words, don't go abroad, leaving me behind. I first asked Natasha what inspired her to create Cast in India. Having moved from um, Texas to New York City, I was really enamored by the urban cityscape and I spent a lot of time walking and looking around. 
and noticed that these manhole covers say made in India and really large font and became curious about knowing how heavy they are, why and how they came to be made in India. And I wanted to learn more about that. So I ended up making a film on this topic. So I guess first things first, what are manholes made of? So manhole covers are made of a mix of pig iron and scrap metal. And pig iron is an intermediate product towards steel. And there's steel production nearby, near to the foundries. And there's a whole kind of economy of metal in the area. And So let's go back into how a manhole cover is made. So we've talked about some of the raw materials that are involved. Uh, it looks like there's there's a bunch of molds and they're lined up, but maybe you can tell us from a more expert perspective. Yeah, so I'll tell you a little so that you're encouraged to watch the film and see the process of um, how manhole covers are made. But most of the day is spent preparing the molds. So in the film, you see how um, there's a mold for each manhole cover and that mold is made with a, a, a module of the manhole cover. And it allows the, it's kind of like a 3D stamp that um, etches the pattern of the manhole cover into the sand mold. But then it has to, as you see, um, workers go in and fix any discrepancies in the mold through their hands. It's a very, on one hand, it's an industrial process, but it's also very artisanal. So majority of the day is spent preparing the molds. And then the day wraps up for these workers, for the, the molders, there's different categories of workers in the factory, but for molders, the day wraps up when they pour molten iron into the mold. And, and the mold is that box that you see the sandwich. And so, and then the molten iron settles into and solidifies into the shape of the manhole cover. And then at the end of the day, um, different category of workers that are lower on the hierarchy and compensated less, they come and they break the molds at night after the molten iron has dried and they finish, you know, they kind of um, sort of finesse any pieces of metal that have not, are not smooth on the manhole cover. While discussing the specific patterning of the New York City sewer manhole, Natasha told me something fascinating. The font, as you've noticed, made in India on public manhole covers is quite large. And that was a demand from American foundry workers who wanted Americans to know that the production of these iron objects was being outsourced. So one of their demands was that it be in a large font. And you may notice that private manhole covers like from Con Edison do not say made in India in such a large font. They say it in a tiny font on the rim of the manhole cover, yeah. I also asked whether she saw manhole covers from other cities being produced too. So it was quite um, disorienting to see bits and pieces of city anatomy in this factory in West Bengal. So I saw bits and pieces not only of New York, right, the manhole cover as a kind of piece of New York, but also from Boston, from LA, and from Houston. So that was really interesting to see. And there are other cities, of course, that have their sanitary castings produced in India. For those of you interested in seeing the film cast in India, you can find it on Google Play, iTunes, and Amazon Prime. New York City is a fountain of inspiration for artists. 
Even the most mundane of objects have been turned into art, and the manhole cover is no exception. In the year 2000, 19 custom manhole covers appeared in Greenwich Village with a cryptic phrase on it, in direct line with another and the next. The words looked like they had been almost stamped onto a generic-looking manhole cover. The letters were in all capitals, except for the I, and everything was a little crooked. If you came across it, you might look around you for something it might reference, perhaps in direct line with it, but it wasn't quite as direct as that. It was an art initiative from the Public Art Fund, a nonprofit dedicated to putting art in public spaces in New York City. The design came from Bronx-born artist Lawrence Wiener, whose text-based art has been in museums and public spaces all around the world. He was one of the pioneering artists who began using language as art in the 1960s. New Yorkers may remember his more recent installation in 2009 on the piers of the Battery Maritime Building, where the ferries to Governor's Island leave from. It read, at the same moment, in large red lettering. Lisa Fergand, whom we spoke to earlier, was actually instrumental in getting Lawrence Wiener's manhole cover project executed when she was manager of cultural affairs at Con Ed. Lisa worked with Roman Stone Company, a foundry on Long Island, to get the manhole covers designed to spec and produced. I asked Lisa what the phrase indirect line with another and the next meant to her. Well, it was a very enigmatic phrase that can be interpreted many, many, many ways. And um, I think it's a kind of metaphysical almost phrase of just this unknown future, um, but that it's going in a certain direction. Um, as I mentioned, it took on different meaning for me um, when I came upon it after 9-11 and I realized that the manhole cover in Union Square Park was in line with the Trade Center. Um, so it became kind of ominous and uh, prescient and strange. And But I, I think, you know, it's open to interpretation for everybody, you know, especially the joy of kind of walking and most people don't necessarily look down, but if you look down and, you know, I think it would, cause people to ponder, hmm, what, what does this mean? You know, and depending on the circumstances, the day, I think it could have a vast array of meanings, you know. I guess that's the nice thing about art. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and Lawrence's art, yeah. Well, I'm so glad that some of those still exist. I know there's one in the Whitney yes. on the sidewalk. Do you know if there are any others around? I do believe the one in Union Square is still there okay. on the north end. And Lawrence has his own in a coffee table. In his house. I love it. I wish I could have one. I know. <laughs> one of the most pressing questions I had about manholes is what it's like to go down one. In 2009, I missed my own opportunity to do just that. Self-made urban archaeologist and local icon Bob Diamond had discovered and excavated the famed Atlantic Avenue Tunnel in Brooklyn and was giving tours. Built in 1844, it's considered the world's first underground transit tunnel. Chalk it up to being in my 20s and in an indie rock band at the time. I was out late performing and just couldn't get up in time to go. I thought I'll be able to go again, but this is New York City and all off-limits things get shut down eventually. Fortunately for us, Justin Rivers did make it. Uh, so what made that tour extremely unique was the way you got into the tunnel, uh, which was uh, we lined up along the Trader Joe's on Court and Atlantic, which is uh, used to be the South Brooklyn Savings Institution building, gorgeous building. And uh, each Bob Diamond tour would have like 70 people on it. So you had 70 people waiting along the building and he could only load them in about four or five at a time when the traffic light changed between Court and Atlantic, not a sleepy intersection, by the way, very busy. So at 
as soon as it turned red, he had assistants shuffling five people into this intersection and there was an open manhole cover and you had to climb down the manhole cover very, very quickly on a janky ladder. There were uh, two traffic cones on either side of the manhole cover, basically saying cars don't hit people here. Um, and so that was the way we did it. The light turned red. I got shuffled out very quickly and I had to scurry down uh, a temporary ladder set to go down that manhole. And what did you find down there? I mean, what was it like down there? It was interesting. So the minute you get below the street under the manhole cover, there's not a lot of space in this particular area because of the tunnel. You're basically standing adjacent to the roof of the tunnel. And what Bob Diamond did when he discovered it is he sort of dug out a space between the sewer services and the side of the wall. And then he broke the side of the wall, which was brick to get in. So um, what happens is you go down, there's you know one of those construction hanging light bulbs down there and uh, you're basically near the gas services. And then they, sh they shuffle you very quickly. It's very close, it's very tight down there between a broken brick wall into a set of wooden stairs uh, that uh, Bob Diamond's team built. And that's when you descend into the Atlantic Avenue tunnel. So you're sort of for about 10 seconds, you're in between the street and the gas services. So interesting. So it must show you how close everything is located underground, all the different systems all together. Very, very, very close. Uh, I was immediately, I tend to be slightly claustrophobic. <laughs> uh, one of the reasons why I gave a subway tour. And um, it was uh, for like five seconds, I almost got a panic attack because I felt the street on top of me, the wall right next to me. And it was very warm down there. Very, very hot. Wow. Cool. But I guess worth the experience. Totally. Once you got in the tunnel, completely cool. Uh, it was very, and I mean cool as in temperature. So you walk in out of the services into the tunnel and it was very damp, very cool. Uh, the air was very musty, but uh, there was an incredible sense of space. Before we close out this episode, have you figured out yet why manhole covers are round? My contact at the DEP says, the principal reason that manhole covers are round is so they won't fall into the manhole. So basically, if a manhole cover is square, rectangular, or even oval, it could fall into the manhole if you insert it at an angle or vertically. Yikes! Over the last 160 years, New York City's underground has become increasingly complex. We spoke today about the most common manhole covers you can find in the city, the New York City sewer manhole covers and the ones for Con Ed. But you'll also find manhole covers for the subway, for the water system, and for telecommunication companies like Verizon and its subsidiaries, which include companies it acquired like the New York Telephone Company and Empire City Subway, ECS for short. Empire City Subway has nothing to do with the modern subway, but was formed after the Great Blizzard of 1888, which took down much of the city's overhead electrical infrastructure. The aim of the company was to build underground ducts for telecommunication services, and you can still find some of their manhole covers. When companies go defunct, sometimes their manhole covers remain for a long time afterwards, becoming part of the city's historical record. While the number of manhole covers in New York City is a constantly fluctuating number, what's clear is that they continue to be an object of fascination for New Yorkers. Look down the next time you're walking around and see what you discover about New York City's history and how the city works. Cowabunga! If you've enjoyed today's podcast, please subscribe to, share, and rate The Secrets of New York podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to get your podcasts. You can find all our latest articles, virtual talks, and tours on untappnewyork.com. 
If you consider yourself a hardcore New Yorker, consider joining our membership program, Untap New York Insiders, to experience our most exciting virtual and in-person events and tours. Use code JOINUS to get your first month free. That's J-O-I-N-U-S. And join our community of the New York City Obsessed. Go to insiders.untapnewyork.com to sign up. The Secrets of New York podcast is produced by Untap New York. Music by my former indie rock band, Kittens Ablaze. Yes, we were called Kittens Ablaze. Additional music by Absent Tiger, available at Bandcamp, who is now recording new projects under the moniker Sunday Scaries, Sunday with an E, also available on Bandcamp. Additional sounds by GoGo. Stay tuned for the next episode of Secrets of New York.